Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Welcome back, everybody, to the 74th episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. And I've taken a break for the past two weeks, but for good reason. I just got back from spending time in Colorado, and I was social distancing with elk and moose families. And best of all, my own daughter in Rocky Mountain National Park. I think my favorite part was watching these little baby moose splash around in the lakes and the baby elk hopping and skipping through the forest. The vacation was so good for my soul to soak up beauty, escape that bad news, to get a good workout, and my mind could quiet down. And of course, the really the best was hanging out with my daughter. I hope, moms, you've been able to take some time off and have a change of scenery this summer. If not, get out your calendars and plan a weekend getaway or at least a day. We need to take extremely good care of ourselves, especially right now. So how are you holding up, moms? I know most of the moms listening are still having plans disrupted or canceled, and countless of you are trying to hold on till all of this COVID commotion has passed, but it keeps hanging on. I know in Houston, they just announced that schools will start two weeks late and will be online for at least the first six weeks. And I'm sure that countless moms who are listening are in the same boat. This is rough on you moms. I know you're counting on your space and getting your life back. You need to get your work done. And I don't think I've talked to one mom who told me that their child excelled in their online school last spring. I know many of your teens didn't learn much. And you just got through it. But all of you are counting on your teens going back to in-person school this fall. So this is a hard hit on you and your family. No one is going to be happy about this. And I just want you to know that if you need some individual mom coaching on how to get through this time or how to deal with your very stir-crazy teen, you can reach out to me at Colleen at DialDownTheDrama.com. Today, we are going to talk about if you are a reactive or responsive parent and what's the difference. First, let's look at the reactive parent. I received a master's in family therapy and have trained master level interns, PhDs, psychiatry residents, and fellows for 20 years, and I've had my own private practice for over 25 years. Most people, when they hear family therapist, think it's a therapist who sees the whole family together. And yes, that happens sometimes, but it's more than that. A family therapist has been trained in family systems, which is looking at the interconnections between family members of the nuclear family and the family of origin. To understand systems theories, let me use a metaphor. My daughter had a Winnie the Pooh mobile that hung over her baby crib. The mobile had Winnie, Eeyore, Tigger, Rabbit, Piglet, 
and of course, Christopher Robin hanging little stuffed animals from the mobile. If you turned one of them like Winnie, then Eeyore and all the other characters in the mobile would turn automatically. They were affected by each other because they were interconnected. In our families, we are interconnected, and each of us impact the other with our actions or non-actions. We impact by what we say and what we don't say. We impact each other in a positive way or negative way. In other words, who we are, what we say, and how we act impacts everyone else in the family, like it or not. This is easy to see when you have an angry or broody teen in your house. They may not be talking to you. They may be walled off in their room, but it still impacts little brother, you, and dad. Actually, it's easy to see it about every member of your family, but it's really hard to see your part and how you affect everyone else in this family mobile. It's rare that someone comes to see me in my private practice and clearly sees their own part in this family mobile. What's normal is that the parent will describe their problem as an angry and disrespectful teen, or that clueless and self-centered spouse, or how their kids just won't stop fighting. It's like the client is verbally describing a video and they have unconsciously erased themselves out of the video. I can see all the other family members except the one who's narrating the story. Or sometimes the client just freeze frames the video on that teen's behavior. My daughter called me mean and selfish and ran out of the house. My job as a therapist is to rewind the video, see what happened right before the daughter called her mom mean and selfish. See, our natural instinct when we feel we are right and they are wrong is to blame. It's my teen's fault. Your teen wants to blame you and says, it's your fault. Your husband wants to blame you and says, it's your fault. And you want to blame your husband and say, it's his fault. The problem with blame is you'll end up in an emotional stuck place and you won't be able to fix or move on from the problem. There's a saying when working with couples, you can be right or you can be married. Being right often leaves our relationships a total mess. Now, you definitely don't want to do the opposite of this and say, I'm the worst parent ever and volunteer yourself to be the scapegoat of the family. What I'm talking about is to have the humility to admit your part. And moms, we often do have a part. One of the greatest gifts to our family is to model appropriate responsibility. And all this can be so hard to admit and even harder to do. When I'm speaking to groups of moms, I frequently open by telling the story about my daughter when she was 11. I'd been a marriage and family therapist for 14 years when my daughter turned 11. I'd been in full-time youth ministry for 10 years prior to that, and teens thought I was so amazing. I thought raising my own teen would be easy, right? Wrong. I remember one day that I got so angry with my daughter. And here's how I would first tell the story when I was more in a blame mentality. I came home from work, and my daughter had procrastinated on a big project. She needed a poster board and some other things for her project. And before I went to the store to get these things for her, I told her she needed to clean her room and get started on her other homework. 
When I came home, she was laying on the sofa, watching SpongeBob, and hadn't cleaned her room and didn't do her homework. She was very disrespectful, and I lectured her and told her I was in charge. Okay, in this version of the story, I pretty much blamed it all on my daughter, and any information about my part was absent from the story. Okay, so here's the story with my part. And you'll see how much this changes the story. I came home from work stressed. I had a lot on my plate and had no spare time. I was extremely snappy and edgy with my daughter when I got home and realized that I had to go back to the store and that ruined my plans. I barked out orders to my daughter and didn't say anything like, Hey dear, how was your day? No, nothing like that. So I stomped out of the house, and then when I got back from the store, I barged through the door and then got ticked when I saw her lying down. I thought, she is so lazy. Very sternly, I said, did you clean your room and get your homework done? And she reacted to my reaction by not looking at me and saying a mocking, no. I thought, oh, she's so entitled. And I reacted to her reaction and yelled at her. I mean, I lost control. I brought up 99 things she had done in the past and stated strongly, I am not putting up with that anymore. God knows what I actually said to her. It was probably very hurtful. In that moment, it felt good. I felt like I had used my power to put her in her place. My daughter's response at first was freeze. And I felt good about that and yelled louder. Now I wanted her to pay. I was in punishment mode. I felt I was on top of the world. I had dealt with her. I used my voice to forcefully put her in her place. Felt great for about five minutes until I looked into her eyes and saw her look at me in a way that she had never looked at me before. I had become the enemy. And then taking her cue from me, She went from freeze response to a full-blown fight mode, and she yelled at me even louder than I had yelled at her. Realizing my part in all of this upset me so much that I started doing some big-time soul-searching and became 100% committed to finding a healthier way to respond. The story with my daughter is an example of how reactivity can spin into full-blown drama. Here are four characteristics of a reactive parent. One, a reactive parent is not aware. You are not aware of your part in the drama dance. You see the one frame and not the video. You see what your teen has done or your partner. You don't see how your actions or reactions contributed to the interaction. A big reason for this is that we feel if we own our part, we are letting our teen off the hook, and that's not true at all. I'm not saying you take all the blame or half the blame. The percentages could be 95% your teen and 5% you. But here's the thing. Don't think of your 5% part as a failure. Look at it as an opportunity. It's much easier to change your 5% part than an immature teen's 95%. This is actually hopeful. When working with moms, often if you can change your 5%, you will see a positive difference in your relationship with your teen. Two, another characteristic, 
is reactivity has striking speed. Reactive parents react quickly like lightning. Your teen reacts in half a second and so do you. What's missing is any pause between the interactions even for one moment. It's helpful to look at the science behind this. Reactivity happens in the lower brain. You react because under the reactivity is a strong emotional feeling. This is called being emotionally flooded. When you are triggered, you naturally react. The problem is that you are offline from your higher brain, which is needed for perspective and problem solving. So now you are reacting from the survival part of your brain. Thoughts in the lower brain are 500 times faster than your higher brain. That means what flies out of your mouth, you have not thought it out. You have no plan. You have no perspective. You are just spewing thoughts and emotions. Or we can call that venting. Teens with their undeveloped prefrontal cortex are biologically hardwired to react. It's easy because of how our brains are wired, i.e. mirror neurons, to give back what we've been given. In other words, parents will entrain down to their teen's level instead of setting a better example for them and raising their teens up to a higher level. No good parenting happens when we aren't self-aware and we are reacting very quickly and not taking a minute to pause. So the surefire way you know you are a reactive parent and not a responsive parent is that you have a very strained relationship with your teen and they're never home. And you don't see any evidence of positive change from your reactive interchanges. What you see is that you keep spinning out of control into full-blown drama and you aren't sure exactly how you even got there. Reactivity just doesn't work. It will not change you or your teen for the better. Reactivity can easily spread through the entire house. Reactivity sours the atmosphere of the home. Reactivity hurts relationships. Reactivity builds walls and is guaranteed to frustrate everyone. If you want to create a secure attachment with your teen, you want to be responsive and not reactive. You want to make sure you're responding in healthy ways instead of reacting in ways that are detrimental to you and your teen. What's the difference between being reactive and responsive? When you're responsive, you take a pause. You take the time you need to reflect. You don't immediately react. You take the time you need to become self-aware of your part. You take the time you need to get perspective and think through how you want to handle the situation. You give yourself the time to calm down so that your lower brain goes back online with the higher brain. Now you have access to all your problem-solving abilities. You ask yourself, does my teen need a consequence? How do I want to address or talk through this issue with my teen? You get clear about what a good result would look like that would protect your attachment with your teen. Here are some do's and don'ts. Do respond without reacting. Don't react without responding. Your son lost his phone. When you respond and don't react, you say, I'm so sorry. When was the last time you remember seeing it? Where have you looked? Do you need my help? If you react and don't respond, you say, Seriously? We just bought you this phone. You are so irresponsible. Why do you lose everything? Do you know how much that phone costs? Okay, next. Do respond from a clear and calm place. Don't react out of confusion, fear, or frustration. Just as your daughter needs to calm down so that her higher brain is online, so do you. 
When you find yourself frustrated, give yourself the gift of a mom time out. Take an hour for yourself. Take a walk. Call a friend. Get a pedicure. Drive to a local coffee shop and journal. You need some time to detach from the drama to get clear. Another one? Do respond with effective action. Don't react by becoming hysterical and obsessing. You discover your daughter is sexting. When you take effective action, you sit down and talk to your daughter about her texts and pictures. You get counsel from a professional on what to do next. If you overreact, you may threaten, lecture, yell, cry, or shut down. You may not be able to sleep because you're so worried about her, but you don't take any effective action to deal with the sexting. Another one? Do respond in a way that is consistent and reliable. Don't react in inconsistent and unreliable ways. Consistent and reliable interactions build trust between you and your teen. He knows when he approaches you that you'll listen and care. This shows him that he's important to you. Because he knows how you're going to react, he is able to approach you when he's in trouble. Empty threats and promises build a wall of distrust between you and your teen. He backs up because he's been disappointed. If he doesn't know how you're going to react, he will be guarded and start to avoid you. Okay, I'm sure you're getting the message loud and clear. Be responsive and not reactive. This will keep you in good standing in just about any difficult circumstance that comes your way. Okay, now back to your teen. Many of you may be thinking, my teen is independent and doesn't want my help. Yes, but you can still be responsive. Here's an example. When he initiates everyday conversations, make time for spontaneous conversations and calm down conversations. If he wants your attention, stop and give him your full presence for 10 minutes. Be emotionally responsive. Laugh and smile. Show that you are happy for him. Show him you care through a hug. Here's another example. In times of transition, Your daughter needs you even more in times of transition, whether it is to a different school, graduating from middle school, moving to another city. The transition may be caused by a loss of a best friend or COVID or breakup with a boyfriend. During these times, she needs you to be her anchor, ready to respond. If she appears to regress during these times, know this is normal and will pass. Don't miss the opportunity to be close to her. Another example, when your daughter shares her excitement. Celebrate the big victories and also the small ones. It's easy to miss the small victories. Any chance you can to celebrate her doing the right thing is hugely important. She feels your support and respect. Celebrate her getting a job, even if it's only stocking shelves at the local supermarket or making a B on her paper. Another example, when he needs your help. Many teens don't know how to ask for help. This is where you need to respond to his needs, even if he protests. If he's not making good choices and is in danger, you need to protect him. When he is stuck in a bad relationship or situation in school, you step in and help him get a strategy. Sometimes being responsive means hiring a tutor, a therapist, or a coach to get him back on track. Again, every mom is going to be reactive at some point. Parenting sassy teens, especially right now, reactivity is going to be inevitable. It would be wonderful if we could be 100% responsive all the time, but that's just not realistic. 
However, you want to be more responsive than reactive. Think of this as your spiritual discipline. This is something that you work at, you practice every day. When you feel the strong urge to lose it, take a pause. Excuse yourself. Go to the bathroom for a minute or 10 or 30. Again, take the time you need to get the perspective and see what just happened. Ask yourself, is there anything you could have done differently? Make sure you take all the time and space you need to get clear. My best parenting moments with my daughter were actually counterintuitive. It wasn't when I shared my amazing advice. It's when I modeled what it means to take appropriate responsibility. So what this looks like is after a big blow up, even though I felt it was 1% my fault and 99% hers, I would take the initiative and apologize for my own part. And when I went into her room and said, dear, I'm really sorry what I said. It was insensitive. I was stressed. And I could see how that could have hurt your feelings. When I modeled that vulnerability, my daughter didn't pounce on me. To my utter surprise, she would soften and say, Mom, I'm sorry too. And then she would own what she did. And you could just feel the heaviness and the tension just melt away. And before we know it, we were back to normal, being playful with each other. And to my delight, giving me a spontaneous, I love you, Mom. All right, before we close, I want to share one more benefit for taking responsibility for your part. Often when we're reactive, it's because we're stressed. We are stressed out. We have no more mothering reserves left. And so often when we take responsibility, that means that we get to take care of ourselves. Sometimes that means we need to go see our friends. We need to go for a walk. We haven't been that good to ourselves. If we're not good to ourselves, we can't be responsive. The hidden benefit here is if you want to be a responsive mom, you get to have more fun and take way better care of yourself. Hey, everybody. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. I have some other great resources for you. You can head over to ColleenOGrady.com. That has two L's and two E's. You can sign up for my Dial Down the Drama triple pack. It's absolutely free. You get a copy of my free ebook, Seven Ways to Help Your Daughter and Yourself, a free chapter from my best selling and award winning book, Dial Down the Drama Reducing Conflict and Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, a guide for mothers everywhere. And you get a free subscription to my weekly easing. If you're ready to pick up your copy of Dial Down the Drama, you can find it on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. For daily encouragement, follow me on Instagram or Facebook at Colleen O'Grady Dial Down the Drama. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>